I'm moving. I'm moving to Los Angeles. This is this is kind of like a dream come true for me. Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrell from NBA Jam. Whoa, boom, shakalaka. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to 48 Minutes as we continue our series for team previews. We today have the Los Angeles Lakers, so we're excited to talk about the Lakers offseason so far. Tim Daniel here with, as always, Mr. Sean Mackey. Sean, what's up, man? What's going on, Tim? Oh, you know, living the dream, as we all say it, right? Yes. Yes, yes. exactly. So before we get into the show, we got to let you know what's going on. We just, we're now, like I said, in episode four now in our team previews. We've done the Bulls, the Hornets, the Spurs. And we also had our NBA Twitter recap show just come out with Kyle Brandon and Ben Brown. You can check out. So with NBA Twitter coming up, we had to go to one of the cornerstones of NBA Twitter to talk to Lakers. You know him from Silver Screen and Roll, Mr. Harrison Fagan. What is up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. And uh, so, first of all, I think cornerstone of NBA Twitter might be a little strong, but I'm not going to give you too much pushback on that. But I also, I do want to thank you for getting my current employer right, because I have, I did, in, not recently, but in the wake of the LeBron signing, I did probably like 10 radio spots, and sure. I think eight of them did my former employer of Lakers Nation, which I have no problem with Lakers Nation. I just don't work for them anymore. And so I was like, it was that weird moment of like, should I correct them? Or like, do I want to do, like, do we have enough time on this spot to correct them? Or should I just like roll with it? And I was like 50-50. There are a couple where I just let it slide. But anyway, I, do, I just want to thank you. It is silverscreenandroll.com where you can check out our work. We are, uh, we are really trying to cover every angle of the Lakers this year. Well, I mean, I'm sorry we had to bring you on this year with so little to talk about. They haven't really had an exciting off season at all, right? No, it's been it's been very quiet. I've actually I've I've gotten to sleep every night and there's been no like 1 a.m. breaking rumors that I had to cover throughout the night the night before my birthday and I was set to be at Disneyland all day. Nothing nothing <laughs> like that has happened at all. Was that Michael Beasley? No, yes, that was Michael Beasley. No, that was uh, that was the Kawhi Leonard stuff. Michael Beasley would not have kept me from. I, I still went to Disneyland. I just stayed up all night the night before, covering the latest break. Like whenever whenever Shams or Woj deigned to fire off a tweet, I was like, all right, well, time to update the story. And so I was very tired at the end of that day, but it was uh, it, it was worth it. So let's get right to it, man. Obviously, last year when you came on the show, we asked you. How confident are you that LeBron James will be a Los Angeles Laker? And you said you weren't very confident because obviously the Lakers have had this run and the offseason have had people being rumored to come here. Something doesn't happen. Um, Paul George then decides he's not coming, obviously. But So what point did you start to get really confident? Or what point did you feel was going to happen that LeBron was going to sign with the Lakers? Okay, so now I take back the thank you and the gratitude that I showed you for getting my employer right, for bringing me, for like putting me on cold takes exposed blast. Uh, you were supposed to say, last year you came on and you said, you correctly predicted that LeBron James. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll cop to this. I was not confident la last year at this time at all because I didn't really have a whole lot of reason to be. I'd say around... Around halfway through the year, I started to think, like, okay, this is pretty possible. Because you were hearing, like, not stuff, because obviously if I had it good enough, I'm not going to claim that I, had, that I knew he was coming halfway through the year. I would have reported it. But, you know, you hear stuff 
that it's like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if that actually could mean that he is maybe going to the Lakers. And it was like not the type of thing where I, it's one of those things where it's almost it allows you to inform speculation a little bit more so than actually go and report something. And then it wasn't until I'd say like three days before it was about three days before he was coming that I was 99% sure that he was coming. And uh, like I wrote as much, I think it was the Friday on the eve of free agency where I wrote a column and I was like, look, like the Lakers are the front row. They are probably going to get LeBron James. This is probably going to happen. And I wrote like all the reasons why. And I I just like I I was hearing it from enough people who would who would be connected to maybe know that it's like enough different places that it's kind of like, okay, this is it's time to get ready. Like I had my pre-write ready. For when he signed, I was able to fire, like, the second that press release dropped, like, within two minutes, we had, like, it was, I, I didn't write 700 words in those two minutes. I, uh, I had that ready, <laughs> believe it or not. And so, I, I was pretty confident. I'd, I'd say it was about three days before when I was, like, 99% sure he was coming. And I wish that I, I almost wish that I had just gambled and try and went for the scoop. But that wouldn't have been very, uh, uh that wouldn't, I wouldn't have had a lot of integrity if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, mentioning speculation. Everyone had speculation. I think I kind of knew, and I know this is definitely like a speculation thing to say, but I think I knew when the Cavs went to L.A., and there's a part in the game where you see pictures. I think you had a picture of Magic walking around the corner, I mean, walking around the basket to meet with Maverick Carter, and I was like, okay, this is something's going on. Well, so there was that, and then there was the fact that Jeannie Buss sat with Rich Paul at, I'm not going to say every Lakers game this season, but there were quite a few where they were sitting next to each other. And, you know, you could say, like, oh, he was KCP's agent, but, like, most of the time I don't <laughs> think KCP – KCP's agent warrants sitting next to the team owner at, you know, uh, a numerous Lakers games that I attended this season. And so, like, it, it was, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that they tampered because I don't think they probably did tamper. But I think that they they probably used KCP being on the team to make a very good impression on Rich Paul and talk about, you know, their plans for the next year and guys that they may sign and you know, I, I, they were probably smart enough that LeBron James's name probably didn't come up in any way that could be traced back to them or anything like that. But like, you know, they they worked around the margins on this, and they 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 sent out that story like a like a week or two before free agency. I remember Ramona Shelburne, I think it was, had the report of like the Lakers had a big no tampering meeting. They 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 sent out emails and they were they were saying like, hey guys, let's be really careful, don't tamper. And you know, I think that I I think. A lot of that was a little bit like, hey, NBA, please don't fine us. But <laughs> That's but, exactly know, what that was. Yeah, like, or at least if you're going to fine us, don't take away our ability to sign LeBron. It was like, it's almost this thing where I think a lot of these teams, like, every team tampers. All 30 teams in the NBA do this stuff. Like, they organize free agency deals before what? July 1st. Like, all these teams do this. Like, this is enough plugged-in people have said that. That, it, like, you know, this stuff happens. It's just, it's almost, you have to give off the appearance of you're playing the game. And I think that, like, the, the only reason they got dinged in uh, for the for the Paul George stuff well there were extenuating circumstances there and like like it was like so ironclad that the NBA had to do something about it and as long as it's not like you know th- like let's say like there's like email evidence of like you did this tan- of you tampered then the nba is probably not going to enfor- really enforce that rule i mean they let kevin they, there's technically players aren't allowed to tamper and draymond green gives on the record quotes about texting kevin durant after they lost to the Cavs. yeah 
Well, he's a player. He can do that. Well, so in the CBA, players aren't allowed to do that, but the league chooses not to enforce it. And so to me, like the next... Well, you, you couldn't. Ne- you, don't, you don't know what any of these guys are doing. Yes, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, the, the league chooses not to enforce it for that reason. And I think it, by extension, you can almost extrapolate, like, unless it comes, like, r- and it hits them right in the face, they aren't going to pursue tampering charges against teams because it would take up too much of their time. So, a lot of young players on this team this year. Are you excited that they decided to keep all of them instead of trading them all for another star? I mean, I am. I'm really excited that they kept everybody, but how do you feel about that? I think it's an interesting decision. I am excited on the level of these have been guys now that I've been following for, I guess, like, they traded out a lot of, a lot of the old guys are gone. They're either traded or they were let go. A lot of the older, younger guys, if that, if that oxymoron makes sense. But, you know, like, Brandon Ingram, the last two years, there's been, like, some level of investment for me in terms of my coverage in Brandon Ingram. And it's like, so it's going to be nice to get to watch all the, and like Lonzo Ball, all of last year, I was saying, like, this guy has the potential to be a top 15, top 20 NBA player at some point. Like, it's it's literally just the shooting and finishing right now that are not at, like, you know, I'm not going to say an all-NBA level, but at the level that you would expect that player to maybe be all-NBA at some point. He was really, really good last year outside of that stuff. And so on that level of, like, I've spent a lot of time covering these guys and learning the ins and outs of their game, and now we get to see if that pays off. And so on that level, it is kind of gratifying for me. And also because, like, you know, as someone who analyzes this stuff as well, not just writes, like, you know, like, beat reporting type things, like, I want to see if I'm right. And if, like, if I was right that these guys can be as good as a lot of us think that they can be. And so it is going to be interesting to watch. I think that the one kind of curious thing is that, like, they apparently consider all of these guys good enough and switchable and versatile enough that they don't really need, like, a real center on the roster. So I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch is, like, how many of these young guys with LeBron can they get on the floor at once? Because, like, a lineup of, like, let's say, like, LeBron, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, and I'm trying to think of, like, someone else that you could just, like, plug in there. But, like, LeBron with that young core... Like or Brandon Ingram, I'm sorry. I'm like, of course, I just mentioned Ingram a second ago, but I forgot his name. So with Brandon Ingram too, like that's a really switchy, versatile, fun lineup. I don't know if they can defend anybody, but I'd like to watch them try. I agree. I think this team is, they're definitely really intriguing. Uh, I think, uh, you know, seeing these guys develop another year, especially a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who just impressed the hell out of me last year. He was just so fun to watch, and I was just, like, sitting at the edge of my seat every time I got a tweet, like, please don't trade this guy, please don't trade this guy, and they didn't. Uh, what do you see his role coming in this season? Is he a, is he a starter? I, I am, that, that is one of the most interesting things, I think, around this team right now, is, it, it, is uh, outside of the center rotation, which is kind of what everybody yeah. has been talking about, because the one, like, it's the one really really visible gaping hole on this team is like they don't really have a reliable traditional center in the way that most contenders have and they're they're on some level they're punting that and they're like we want long switchy guys but the second one behind that is like is Kuzma going to start because if you're looking at the starting lineup right now like it's probably well, obviously LeBron. I mean, they've locked that. I think I think it's safe to say that he'll start. They, they, <laughs> yeah, Magic, so. Magic has said that every other starting spot is up for grabs. But I think wow. like it's safe to project, I would say, 
like LeBron. I think JaVale McGee will probably end up getting the starting nod at, at center. And then, and then, so where are you going at that? Like, is LeBron starting at power forward? Is he starting at small forward? Because if he's starting at small forward, we know he can't really defend small forwards anymore. He just doesn't. Uh, you know, I think he can. I just don't think, like, that's worth his effort on a night-to-night basis most times now. So, I, I mean... Like, if he starts there, like, it's basically either Kuzma or Ingram would be coming off the bench. And so when it's viewed through that lens, I think it's going to be Kuzma. And they're going to view him as a guy that can go and get buckets on the second unit. And Luke very much likes to play these kind of two five-man lineups and not stagger a whole lot. And it'll be interesting to see if he changes that this year. Now that they have a more experienced roster, maybe he won't see that continuity is as necessary for the young players to kind of learn to play together. But I think right now, I don't think Kuzma's going to start. I think it'll probably be LeBron, JaVale, Brandon Ingram, KCP, and Lonzo would be my guess. Although I think that there is like a better than zero chance that Rondo ends up beating Lonzo out for the starting job in camp because Lonzo is only going to be just recovering from that meniscus surgery at that point. What about Josh Hart? Do you, could you see, we, we had this discussion a few weeks ago where right now it seems like, you know, KCP Ingram, our guys mentioned that two spot potentially, I should say um, Hart obviously had an amazing summer league, summer league MVP. He's shown for two years. Now he can really play and be successful in the league. Is there a situation where if LeBron does play the four, Brandon Ingram plays the three, that Josh Hart gets that starting spot at some point? I think I think that would be tough because I'm sure that – I mean, I'm not sure, but it, it would seem like a reasonable guess that KCP was sold on some level on if he came back, you know, at this significantly reduced number from what he was making last year, sure. that he was going to get a chance to go out and earn his next deal and get like a significant role and so maybe that is coming off the bench or maybe I I think it's his spot to lose in the starting lineup I do think that Josh Hart will play with LeBron and I actually wrote from summer league I I got a chance to have like five minutes with Josh and talk to him a little bit about among other things like playing with LeBron and how excited he was and that kind of thing and so I and I wrote a column basically like he's probably he might actually be he's not the best member of the young core but he might be the one that's the best and most seamless fit alongside LeBron because he's a guy that we saw in summer league he can pretty he can run a pick and roll pretty well now he can handle the ball he can be a secondary attacker like those skills he's not going to have the role that he had in summer league ever again at the NBA level I would imagine but that kind of stuff if you like kind of titrate it back a level and it's like okay now you're not attacking as the focal point of the offense but you're a secondary attacker and you're running a side pick and roll or something like that he showed that he has necessary chops to be able to do that against teams weaker options and but he's also a guy that you when he he's the only i think sure thing that has utility off of the ball among the Lakers' young core. Like, I think Kuz is probably second in that rankings because I think his shooting is real. We just kind of have to see if he does enough other stuff off of the ball to really, like, continue to have value on a team where LeBron James is kind of going to be the sun that everyone else orbits. But Josh Hart has already shown that he can play that supplementary role and play it really, really well and hit threes at, like, an almost 40% clip. And so I think he is a guy that... He may not start to kind of get back to your question, but I do think that eventually they're going to figure out, like, this is a guy that should be playing significant minutes with LeBron because he can take those tougher defensive wing assignments and keep LeBron from having to do that. He can guard kind of up a position. He can guard down a position. He's really versatile on defense, and he can play on or off of the ball. He's just, like, he really is a jack-of-all-trades. And a lot of the time, I, I there are a lot of people that say, like, in the NBA, you don't want to be a jack-of-all-trades and master of none, but he's good enough 
at everything that he doesn't really necessarily have to master any one thing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So let me ask you this real quick. I'm not going to ask you the question everyone's talking about on TV or on the radio or in podcast of, are you surprised LeBron James came alone? That's not what I'm going to ask. No one's shocked by that. My question is actually, are you shocked Paul George didn't come along? No, I'm really not because I, I just, I don't know. That seemed like that was definitely the more talked about one during the season. But as we got into kind of the off season, I started to think that that was like kind of less of a possibility. There were enough rumblings that he was like really, really considering OKC that by the time that free agency rolled around, e- even before like that day of the lead up where they're like, oh, they're having this big party tonight. And once that was kind of announced, it was like, all right, Paul George is re-signing with the Thunder. But even before that, there was enough stuff coming out of Oklahoma City and there was enough stuff about like the the kind of issues that I would say like it seems like the Lakers have kind of had with Aaron Mintz and Aaron Mintz clients that I was not very confident that Paul George was coming as of like a few months as of like at least a month I'd say out of free agency I just it didn't really seem like it was that much of a thing and then even LeBron has talked about like afterwards that him and Paul George never really talked about that a whole lot there are a lot of people that said that Paul George and LeBron James are not particularly close and so you know obviously they can recognize each other's talent and maybe that would have been enough to bring them together but I think that when it's going to be a predetermined like we're both going to go to this place and play together it kind of has to be a perfect storm like it was in Miami where Dwayne Wade was already there and he was recruiting those guys all year and LeBron and Chris Bosh knew each other and were able to talk that over beforehand and I I just don't think that I think that led to the expectation that that's always something that's possible and I think that that was just such extraordinary circumstances that most of the time you're not going to see two guys that have never played on the same team kind of come together and just be like all right well we're going to go to this completely new place together I think uh I was a little bit shocked that he that he didn't leave. I mean, I like you said, it was kind of probably about a month out. It, it was it might have been like a seventy five twenty five chance that he he probably wasn't coming back. Um, but uh, how how surprised were you that Kawhi didn't end up out in L A. this summer? That's the one that surprised me. I really thought, especially once it was clear that the Lakers had freed up enough cap space to be able to sign him outright next summer. I thought that was the moment where they kind of had the Spurs over a barrel and they were going to be able to say, like, look, you can send us Kawhi now and we will give you, like, say, I I mean, I don't know this, I don't think that they are, I don't know that they ever offered Brandon Ingram, but just hypothetically, like, we will offer you Brandon Ingram and you can take that and not lose Kawhi for nothing next summer or you can or you can lose him and we will just sign him next summer but like we can give we can give you an out or you can just lose him and i thought they had freed up enough cap space to do that and then i guess i guess since the trade to toronto went down like the reporting on it has made it make more sense about why that didn't happen like it sounds like the lakers were never really that in that much of a rush to give up anything because they're like with lebron they're fairly confident they have a good shot at Kawhi next summer and so with lebron in hand i think it's fair to give them the benefit of the doubt that they might know what they're talking about but the and then there was also like the spurs don't want young players i think that's probably become pretty clear where like it would have taken an extraordinary package of young guys to get them to part with Kawhi, where they wanted something so they can compete for the last couple years however long Popovich is going to continue to coach and so I think on that level like that kind of makes sense in retrospect but 
No, I, I was. I, I really thought that Kawhi was the next move when free agency shook out the way that it did over the first couple of days. I'm really happy it didn't go down just because I, I just did not want to see a, a huge chunk of this young Lakers roster shipped off someplace. And honestly, you know, if the Spurs, you know, like you said, the they didn't want to rebuild right now. They want to compete at the moment while Pop's still there. Um, but, you know, packaging Brandon Ingram and say maybe Josh Hart, um, I think would have been a fair trade and maybe some draft picks, but I wouldn't have given anything else up for him at that point because Kuzma, he has, he's really good. Lonzo Ball's going to be a stud, we think, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I definitely, he's going to be a stud. I am like one of the, I think, founding members of the Lonzo Ball bandwagon. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about a few more of these uh, rando pieces that the Lakers signed this summer that a lot of people, you know, were putting question marks on. So they go out and they also sign Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson and JaVale McGee. The Suicide Javale Squad, as we've, su- as we've taken to calling them. <laughs> the Suicide the meme Team. Yeah, the Meme, the meme team. team. Yes, I go buy it. your shirts. You can buy them on Silver Screen and Roll. That, that's oh, I will. That's the plug of the podcast. They're, they're actually very comfortable. I, I got I'll, mine in the mail. I'll take a photo and wear it on our Twitter account just for you. There you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> there you go, pal. So, so they sign these. They sign these. These three kind of rando players. Two of them, of course, huge LeBron rivals over the past decade, uh, being Lance Stevenson and, and Rajon Rondo. Javale McGee made a little bit more sense to me because they needed a center. Um, he's not the best, but he's coming off you know another championship, so you know good for him and everything. How does Lance? and Rondo fit with the rest of this squad? I'll start with Rondo, because that's the one that I can kind of justify. I I think, well, I think both of them you can justify on the level of, they're a one-year deal. It's kind of hard to make a bad one-year signing, because really all they are are placeholders for next summer when the Lakers are going to try and sign their actual roster and a superstar. But, like, as far as you know, on court, and yes, they paid a little bit more than they probably than those guys were worth probably on the open market. But they also, you know, they had to pay a premium if they wanted guys to take one year deals. So the argument that I've made about Rondo is: is he worth twelve million a year? No, but could he have gotten like nine million a year on a multi year deal somewhere else? I think it's possible. And so I, I think like, or sorry, he got nine million a year, right? Am I yeah, mixing I this so. up? Yeah, he w- he could have gotten got. six million a year somewhere. Else. I was I mixed up my numbers, but he could have gotten like six million a year somewhere else. So the Lakers paid a little bit extra on the front end just to be able to get him to agree to that one year contract. And I think the same argument is probably true with Lance. But Rondo makes sense in in like he is the closest thing I think that we've seen to Lonzo Ball in terms of like a player archetype in in the NBA in recent year at least in recent years and maybe ever he's probably the closest player to what the type of player that Lonzo Ball is and could be although obviously he was never a good shooter and Lonzo hasn't been a good shooter in the NBA so far but he was a good shooter every other every other level and I'm fairly confident that he'll figure it out but I think Rondo makes sense from the perspective of you can keep you don't have to play a completely different style with your bench unit than you do with your starters because both of those two guys are somewhat interchangeable. They aren't the same player. Again, I don't want to like uh, – like players are kind of like snowflakes. They're all different. And so I, d- I don't really like player comps, but they are similar. And so it's it makes sense on that level just of like having two very heady pass-first point guards that can rebound and go and – 
I would say if Ball was already a better defender than Rondo, but at least Rondo tries and he's smart. And so I, I think that one makes some sense on that level. I think there was like a little bit too much blowback to that one. The Stevenson one is the one where I really can't make very much sense of it beyond like LeBron probably has respect for this guy because he went up against him in playoff battles and is picturing him, you know, blowing in Kevin Durant's ears or ear, Draymond Green's ear and getting him ejected from a playoff game or something like that. Like, I, I don't know. Beyond that, like, Lance has not really been, he's never been a good NBA player outside of Indiana. And he really wasn't a particularly good NBA player last year in Indiana, even if he had some flashes. He's never really been as good as his reputation on defense. And that's gotten worse over the last couple of years. So, I'm not going to be able to sit here and talk you into the Lance one beyond it's a one-year deal and really they're just trying to sign superstars next summer. So, go ahead, Tim. No, you're good. I was going to say, um, one thing, you know, what to kind of touch on here, um, Mo Wagner comes in the draft pretty high. I know a lot of people had him in the second round. The Lakers take him. Obviously a big body that looks like they're going to be needing now. So, what are your expectations for Mo going into this year? I loved him at Michigan. He's a very good talent. Um, he's a very unique player, to say the least. He's got a really cool story. So is he someone who you could see probably getting like that five to ten minutes? Is it going to be something where he's going to be playing more in the G League for a little while to get some time to play? So if I had to guess, I would guess that it's probably a little bit more the latter. He'll start out spending a little bit more time in the G League. Although I do think, and again, it's summer league, but I think he showed more on defense there over his time out in Las Vegas and in Sacramento. And then as far as like picking up concepts and improving and communicating, he is loud on defense. He's one of the few, he's one of the, like Vegas, you can hear sometimes what guys are saying more so than you can in an NBA game, but you could like hear everything he was saying. And he is like communicative and vocal. And I do think that he probably showed more on defense than the Lakers thought he was going to out there. But again, grain of salt because summer league, I think he could potentially see like five to 10 minutes a game as the season goes along. But I don't think that fans should really be expecting like a big role for him, at least right off the bat, because otherwise if the Lakers were planning on having him play a big role, then why keep Avica Zubats around or why, you know, why sign JaVale McGee? I guess like, you know, you need depth there on some level, but those signings to me telegraph a little bit. They see this guy as a break glass in case of emergency more than anything, or maybe, you know, maybe they see Zubats that way and they're like, well, we're going to keep him around because we know him, but we're going to see if Mo can get some minutes and acquit himself well early on in the season. I don't know, but I, I, because he's a young player, I would anticipate he's probably not going to get a ton of burn right off the bat but again i said the same thing about kuzma after summer league last year and he continued to blow people away during the preseason and then it was like all right this guy's actually going to play a real role so we'll see kind of i think part of it will probably depend on what mo shows against actual nba players during training camp what about the real legend of summer league harrison what about zvi zvi yes he was he was one of my favorite topics i think to cover at summer league he was uh his shooting is like i'll tell you it is incredible like just to watch and just in person the way that the crowd reacts to it and the way that his teammates go crazy every single time he hits one like that man has i don't know how you can be 
20 years old, 21 years old, whatever. he. I think he's like 20, right? 20, 21. But I don't know how you could be that age and have that level of confidence in anything. I, I'm like in awe. And he just doesn't, when you talk to him, he doesn't seem surprised by any of it. Like every, it was funny because those of us that were that were there, I wasn't in Vegas the whole time. I was there until I went with like three days left. I went home with like three days left in the tournament. But uh, those of us that were out there for most of the time, it was almost like you would kind of catch eye contact with other reporters in the scrum because somebody that hadn't been there would come in and they'd ask Svi about, like, did you expect to have this much success early on? And he'd just kind of be like, yeah, you know, like, I, I know I can shoot. I know I can play. I know I can do more than shoot. I was like, you know, all these things. Like, nothing surprised him about his performance. And, you know, I would, you know, just... I would really like to see him in the rotation because he's a lot of fun to watch. I don't know that he's going to be able to keep up the defense that he showed in summer league, similar to Mo. Although I think his is probably more translatable because it's against other wings and things like that. And it's like somewhat NBA. It's somewhat of an approximation of what he'll be asked to do in the NBA on defense. And so I think he'll hold up a little bit better. I'm a little bit more confident that he'll hold up than I am about Mo. But, you know, I think, He'll probably get his shots in training camp to see if he can, you know, if he can shoot so well and defend credibly enough that he can take some spot, uh, some minutes in the rotation. But at the same time, like, you got to tell me where those minutes are coming from because the Lakers already have, you know, they have Ingram, they have Josh Hart, they have KCP, and those are just, those are the three guys on the wing that kind of have to play. And then you also have, LeBron, who will surely play some minutes at small forward, and then you have Lance Stevenson, who you know, if it were me, I would not necessarily be playing over Contavious Caldwell or over Svi Luke, But you don't sign Lance Stevenson to bench him for a second round rookie. Uh, that's not like how you kind of get good relationships with agents and players around the NBA, and that's something that the Lakers have shown a lot of prioritization towards. And so I don't think that he'll play early. I do think that there is a chance that he gets into the rotation as the season goes along, especially if guys get hurt. I think he is a guy that looks like he's set to step up, and it looks like the Lakers found another good one. Like, he he was incredible. All right, so I only have two more before I know Sean's going to take over the rest of the interview, but I one we got to talk about, obviously, the Lakers bringing back those beautiful Showtime Laker uniforms. I'm so excited. How pumped were you when they were quote-unquote released yesterday but actually really leaked like three weeks ago? Oh, man. I'm going to so, – okay, so this is – I have not – for there's a reason I have not talked about these jerseys very much on Twitter. I am not, actually not a fan, really. I, Whoa! They, they look better than the original leak. The original leak was banana yellow, and I was like, you got, yeah. you got to be kidding me. They're doing this again. And they Nike's look, messed up the gold. Yeah, the yellow looks better this year than it did last year. I, I can't decide if I like or if I dislike the black stripe on the purple ones yet. I do like the return to the drop shadow. But I'm, I don't know, I'm not, a, I'm not, like, these did not grab me in the way that they would have if they would have just brought back the Showtime uniform. Like, that's such an iconic, perfect, classic and why uniform. Don't, why don't they just do that? I don't, there's so, I guess there's to sell so more many jerseys, teams, I don't know. There's so many teams that have great, classic uniforms that just need to be brought back. Like, the, the pinstripe Orlando Magic ones just need to come back. Those need to be their jerseys. The old Charlotte Hornets jerseys just need to be their jerseys. You know, and I feel like the Lakers, same thing. I think, I think just bringing back the Showtime ones. I mean, these are a step in the right direction. Obviously, I'm I'm pretty excited about these. I like the piping around them. They brought that back. That's cool. But 
So, but you're not a fan. No, I'm not a huge fan. Although I think the answer to your question of why do they not bring back the old designs is I, I think to me, my theory has always been Jersey designers need jobs too. And so everybody comes in and they're like, well, I can improve this and modernize it. And like, sometimes you don't need to mess with stuff. And to me, like, I, I actually, I liked their jerseys from a couple of years ago, you know, in the 08, 09 2010 seasons more than I did like last year. I did not like really the Nike ones last year. The purple they they nailed. The purple still looked good, and most of their stuff was good. The Black Mamba jerseys were really cool. I oh, yeah. I just was not. I'm I don't know. I'm not in love with these yet. I, I don't hate them, but I'm not I'm not in love with them yet. And so we'll see if uh, if people catch me here on the 30 minutes into this podcast and uh, end up like putting that out there on Twitter for people to get upset with me about. But there's a reason <laughs> I haven't been tweeting about it is because I'm not I'm not totally in love with it. I, I really like the return to the drop shadow, though. Like that is a classic, iconic look on the lettering and the numbers. And it looks really cool. Is this the longest you've done a podcast talking about the Lakers without Kobe Bryant coming up? Honestly, I think it, it's if it's not the longest, it's up there. Like I thought so. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> definitely one of the first thirty plus minute podcasts that I've done without talking about Kobe Bryant, and that's the LeBron James effect, right? Like, yeah. Now that the Lakers have an actual really good player in their building, they don't have to talk about the last actual really good player a lot. Yeah, I I, I um. I love Kobe. I don't understand, and I'm, you know, you'll, you'll know better than me. Obviously, there are Laker fans that are really upset about this move because it feels like do they feel it's a threat to Kobe Bryant's Laker legacy? Because I don't think that's the case. See, I don't think that that's the case either. I think that the I, I think that the way that, and I do want to clarify. I think that it's an important thing to say. Like, we don't know who was vandalizing the murals. I guess, like, my guess would be that it is, and I wrote about this, like, I, I think that there's a difference between Lakers fans and Kobe fans in some yeah, cases. I agree. There's obviously a Venn diagram there of people who are fans of both, but I do think that there is a cult of Kobe that is militant and angry online and like a roving band of mad max esque marauders and like that's the reason <laughs> that like they're lakers fans they're like i don't understand why the national media gets like paints laker fans in such a bad light it's like well because you don't have you know like kobe goat 24 8 in your mentions telling you <laughs> that like they're gonna burn your house down because you put kobe like fifth on your all-time like greatest players list you know like, I, I think that there is, like, a very, very dedicated sect of Kobe stands that, to get back to, like, is this, is, does LeBron's presence threaten Kobe's legacy? I think almost the, what threatens Kobe's legacy is the appearance of, like, the way that these fans are almost painting it as, like, a him versus LeBron type thing. Which is, since LeBron is the guy currently on the Lakers roster, that's going to be the guy that Lakers fans rally behind, at least in, like, the short term. And then does that damage his legacy long term? I don't know. Like, probably not. I think Kobe's legacy is pretty ironclad. And I think, you know, in 10 years, if you go around and you ask, like, you know, like 100 or 200 Laker fans who their favorite player of all time is, you're going to get more LeBrons and Magics than you're... Or you're going to get more Magics and Kobe's than you're going to get LeBrons. But I do think that LeBron's presence... I mean, obviously, like, 
it, it, Kobe has embraced this, at least publicly. And right, he's yeah. come out and said that everybody should be happy about it. Now, who knows how he actually feels, if that's actually true, or if he's just trying to be a good sport <laughs> about it, or if he's, like, plotting a comeback to come and, uh, you know. I, I heard Shaq talking about that. Yeah, Shaq was, I, I think Shaq was just laughing at, like, Kobe getting 50 texts from na various national reporters, of, like, is there anything to this? You know, just sending him, like, a link to Shaq's TMZ interview. And you could, Shaq had that smile on his face, where that was the image that he was getting as he said it but i don't think that kobe's legacy is really threatened by all of this but i do think that there are people that have you know they've left a lot of receipts out there about kobe is better than lebron that are kind of you know like i need this to be right and it's going to hurt me even more and hurt my cold takes exposed moment if lebron is not only better than kobe but he's better than kobe in a laker uniform yeah for sure i completely i 100 agree you hit the nail on the head there so Harrison, I'm going to do a fun activity with you here. Um, I'm just curious to kind of get your thoughts on it. So we're going to have you play a little bit of NBA schedule guy. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so I'm going to give you three teams and three dates, and you're going to make the schedule for the Lakers on these three teams. Okay, I'm so really I'll be... glad that you didn't say 82 team. Or yes. 82 teams and, 82 <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, all right, let me get the spreadsheet out. We're going to figure this out. Like, this is going to be a two-hour podcast now, but we're going to figure this out. <laughs> all right, so the three dates are opening night, Christmas Day, Martin Luther King Day, the three biggest days of the NBA calendar during the year. Okay, so opening night, Christmas Day, Martin Luther King Day. Yep, and you have, okay. obviously, the Warriors, who is in, who are in the division, so LeBron's going to play them four times. He's kind of used to playing them four times, though. Yeah. Um, the Cavs, for the obvious reason of LeBron playing his former team. This doesn't have to be home or away specifically. You can make it how you want to. And then, of course, you can't talk about the Lakers without talking about the Celtics and the Kyrie Irving angle on this as well. So, of those three days, which ones would you schedule those three teams? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I think I'm going to go, if it's me personally, I would like to see Lakers-Warriors on Christmas rather Same. than opening day. Just because I think on opening day, it's just, there's so much of like, yes, everybody gets excited for it. But the Lakers are very much not going to be a cohesive team by then. And so, I, I think it would be more fun to see that on Christmas Day when they've actually had a chance to play together for a while. And so I'm going to go with Christmas Day for Warriors. I think opening day, it would be fun to – I think it would be fun to bring back Lakers-Celtics for opening I day. And have, like, LeBron versus Kyrie and all those, like, storylines. Although I think that that would be probably a hard sell to both of those teams to not open at home and that kind of thing. But I think that that would be, to me, a more fun opening because – now you're getting two teams that really aren't cohesive because even though the Celtics they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year they're going to be in a, they're going to be reintegrating Kyrie Irving and reintegrating Gordon Hayward and putting all of those pieces together so they're not going to be like you know maybe they start out really hot but I think to me that would be more fun to like see two teams that are really just coming together now kind of play on Christmas Day and the, or sorry on opening day and then Martin Luther King Day I'm going to go with I, – I actually, I'm blanking on the third team now that you said. Cleveland. It was, it was the third team. It was Cleveland. It was Cleveland. Yeah, okay. Well, so actually that one now, the, my only worry there is, like, it can't be – if you're going to do Martin Luther King Day, it can't be LeBron in Cleveland because, like, the response that he is going to get in his first – time back i mean maybe it won't be as vitriolic this time but i don't think that it's i don't know that it's going to be friendly i mean maybe it will be but i feel like if you were going to do that one on martin luther king day it would have to be in la where it was like there was no chance of it becoming this negative thing 
I think you got all three of those right. I'd agree with that. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I'm fairly confident myself that the the Lakers and Celtics will be playing opening night, and they'll they'll save the Warriors game for Christmas. It just it just seems right. I honestly right? I honestly feel like it might be Lakers Warriors just because the league is going to be in such a rush to get to that one. But I I if it was me, I'd rather say. And you know, honestly, we may get them on opening day and on Christmas. I, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility either. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Because Lakers Celtics uh, is going to be an event no matter what day they put it on. But I feel like if you put Lakers warriors right now like that's going to take things up a whole other level because like you have lebron on his new team going against the one nemesis that he hasn't like eventually been able to crush on a consistent basis and like i think that there's just like a lot of drama in that and it's just there's obviously a lot of intrigue about both of those teams it'll be nice to see him be able to play them more times during the season instead of just the two that he typically does because it's always like Christmas and then like some random you know day like a month later or yeah. you know a month before the playoffs or whatever. So it'll be cool that you know he's going to get a few shots at him this year. So if you were a betting man, how many wins this year are the Lakers going to have in the regular season? Oh man, uh, that depends on. Like, are you going to bring it up next year on this podcast if I get it like wild? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is just something. This is just something we'll talk about today. Just gonna, just gonna like take the audio clip of just this and send it to Old Takes Exposed. Well, we got we got the Clippers coming up this week too, so we can just you know be a haha for sale. Yeah, okay. So I think, I think it's probably gonna be. I'm I'm gonna go with 50 games. I think 50 games is about like it is fair because they won 35 with Lonzo and Ingram getting hurt a lot last year. And while Brooke Lopez and Randall were obviously big parts of that, replacing those two guys with LeBron is still like a net win to me. And <laughs> I hope that that's not a controversial thing to say. Uh, so I think, I, I think I'm going to go with 50 because I think that they can get about 15 wins on improvement of their young guys and adding the greatest player of all time. I didn't realize they won 35 last year. That's that's not terrible. And I watched a lot of games last year of the Lakers. I was I was very impressed with their young core. So that's I think that's a fair assumption. But I'm I'm hoping for 55. I'm hoping for 55. I this could year. see it, but I think that LeBron's going to sit out enough back to backs and things like that, especially if he's playing yeah. more center. That I I, I I think 50 is probably that that's my most optimistic. And I'm usually a pessimist. So like as my former okay. podcast co-host would tell you. So. Um, you know, like, I, I'm usually, when I used to do Locked on Lakers, I was always the kind of one that was kind of the wet blanket on this stuff. And so I think 50 is as optimistic as I can get. Okay. Now, one last. One last thing. One bold prediction for this Lakers NBA season. Huh. Um. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to go really bold. Lonzo Ball and All-Star. Oh, I like it. I, I mean, love it. he's going to get some of the fan vote, although I guess that only counts for starters. But I feel like there's going to be more Lakers fans out trying to kind of elect him into this. I think I think we're going to see the whole, like, non-basketball fan army of Ball and the Family viewers mobilize this year. I think every episode, my guess is going to be, like, they're going to all be wearing, like, Lonzo Ball hashtag NBA vote shirts. Like, in every single episode, they're just going to get, like, 50 of those made and just pass them out to the whole family. <laughs> um, just make, like, the extras, the cameramen wear it, like, just so that it's on in the background, all that stuff. Make the, put, the, put it on, tattoo it on the baby, like, Lonzo Ball, hashtag NBA vote. And so, I, I think, but I think Lonzo is going to surprise people this year. And when you have the narrative going of, like, if he all of a sudden, instead of hitting 20% of his threes, hits, like, 
one more three a game and is at like 35% and all of a sudden becomes an offensive force in addition to the defensive one and has the mobile like army of Lakers fans voting for him and like the Lakers are a good team and people are like, well, we have to reward them with two all-stars if they're, you know, up there in the Western Conference, then I, I think like this, you, you said bold, so I'm going bold. I think Lonzo Ball all-star is probably... That might be even bolder than I'm comfortable going. But before I walk it back, I'm just going to – yeah, Lonzo Ball all-star. <laughs> well, if LeVar Ball has any say, it obviously will happen. Yeah, LeVar Ball is actually going to – like the real reason he went to Lithuania was because he can get to Russia relatively quickly from there and like mobilize a hacking army to, <laughs> like, to overrun the democratic process. Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. If you can't hack an election, are you a big baller? I don't know. Like well, LeVar Ball is about to put it to the test. <laughs> I feel like that will be the theme of our show. If you can't hack an election, are you a big baller? I think that's going to be the summary of the show. Yeah, just out-of-context quotes from Harrison. <laughs> well, Harrison, this is fun every year, man. we got to do this twice a year because you're always a fun interview. We have a lot of fun talking with you. As a diehard NBA fan, I am incredibly jealous you get to cover LeBron James every day for the next four years. That's amazing. Congrats to you. That's going to be crazy. Has that hit you yet? It did. It was like it was the night of. Honestly, it hit me and like I got goosebumps. Like I was sitting there. I put up. I think like our, our site. I believe put up. I think it was like thirty posts within that first forty-eight hours. And I think I did like eighteen of them or something. I might be like making up my own numbers, but nobody's gonna go back and fact check me on this, so it's fine. I, yeah, I put up two hundred posts in that first day. Um, but like as we were like once the day had finally cleared and we had finished every story, I sat there and I think I just tweeted this. I was like holy crap, I'm going to cover LeBron James next year. Like, that way, it's 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 just strange. Like, I'm someone, I came in, my first day writing about the Lakers was the day that Dwight Howard left. And so, to go from that to covering, like, arguably the greatest player in NBA history is kind of crazy to me. And so, like, I, I am, like... People like a bunch of people have asked me, do you know what you're going to ask LeBron first yet? And the answer is no, I have no idea because like, you know, the reality is my first time asking the question of LeBron is going to be in an interview scrum. And like the question that I want to ask may very well have been asked by that point because I'm not first priority in those things. So I, I have no idea what the first thing I'm going to ask him is, but he is like, by all accounts, one of the most thoughtful players when it comes to kind of giving time to the media and being open to giving you answers if you have like an interesting angle that you bring to him and so I am excited to kind of do some fun stuff like there was a little bit of a preview of like the direction of kind of weird interesting I'm going to try and go in like that article that I did from a couple weeks ago on having like a body language expert analyze LeBron James and Lonzo Ball's first meeting on the court and seeing oh yeah like, that was a good article tell from that thank you and so like that was I I'm going to try and get out there this year and try and find some angles that no one else is really covering awesome we can't wait for that we also can't wait for your default on your twitter profile to be you interviewing lebron james yes that's it well no so there I, I actually i can't do that i've promised people in the lakers that i will not do that because uh. there is a run there, this is actually like first somebody said it as a joke and then we actually went back and fact checked it every single player in my twitter avatar has been traded or left in free agency within a year uh of being oh, put no. in my twitter avatar or banner and so I, I promised uh, I, I promised a couple people that I know with the Lakers that I would not change my Twitter <laughs> avatar to me with LeBron James. 
All right, that's fair. But just, just you know, a little couple photos for you. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe I'll post some on Instagram, but I'm not I'm I'm not <laughs> going to change my Twitter avatar as of now. Or maybe like maybe I'll use that to like hold the team hostage or something and be like, hey, like it'd be a real shame if LeBron were to demand a trade after I post him in my Twitter avatar. <laughs> ah, that would be great. Yeah. Well, Harrison. We get it. The said said it's always fun. We love having you on. Before we let you go, as always, the floor is yours to introduce where you can be found on social media, your website, all of your work, whatever you want to do, by, by all means. All right. Thank you. So uh, I will, I'll start out this encyclopedia by uh, – you can find me on Twitter at HMFagan, F-A-I-G-E-N. You can find me on Instagram. That one is, like, less work, and it's more like – that one's sometimes personal stuff, but I do post work stuff there sometimes. It's uh, at Fag News, F-A-I-G-N-E – WS is Instagram and then just as always silver screen and roll is the best place to find me because I am I am writing I have my team like this amazing team of Lakers writers Anthony Irwin Christian Revis uh, Laker film room coach Pete you know uh, like Sabrina Merchant Alex Regla like I have assembled like a, a great and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head but like the, I'm really really proud of the team that we've put together at Silver Screen and Roll and I think that we are go- we are going to try and be your one-stop shop for La- not just Lakers news but Lakers analysis this year as far as we want to have every single storyline that like you would like every single big storyline we want to cover that but we also want to have a lot of thoughtful content and you've seen that in some of the Laker film room videos that we've put up and some of the analysis pieces that we put out we want to start having more features and kind of deeper long form content and so definitely silverscreenroll.com is the place to check out for everything Lakers awesome we definitely will be checking it out well Harrison thanks again man really appreciate the time And uh, we can't wait to do this again soon. All right. Yeah. Anytime, guys.